This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. From CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guide. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Nate Simmons and Ross Martin. Welcome, everybody, to the Colorado Sports Guys podcast. I'm Ross Martin, along with Nate Timmons. How how are you doing, buddy? Ross, I'm doing fabulous. My people at the interwebs, I hope you are all doing the same. I'm sure everybody is doing just absolutely fantastic after this exciting weekend of the Broncos' victory over the Steelers. We are, of course, going to be talking about that. We're also going to be talking about the most hated nuggets of all time. The most, this is sports hate, not hate hate. Not, I'm going to find you and kill you hate. Right, right. This is just, I'm going to hate you. When you come to my city, I'm not going to be happy about it. I'm going to root for the Nuggets. I'm going to root against you. Yes, and this is, of course, uh, a response to the poll you put on DenverStiffs.com a couple days ago. Yesterday, as a matter of fact. We're getting polled crazy on Denver Stiffs, right? I love the polls, man. Polls are the best. That's how you get a beat from the fan base, baby. So it's Broncos and Nuggets today. And we're going to talk heavily about that. And, of course, at the end, we're going to review uh, the gambling that uh, Nate and I did last week. Yeah. And uh, then uh, we're going to – I don't know. I'm just kind of excited. (laughs) Then we're probably going to be done talking at some point. It's been hard for me to put into words how happy I am about the Broncos and Peyton Manning. Yeah. I I can use one word – Real quick. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious? No, it's an S word, though. It's surreal. Mm. Surreal. It's a good word. So we're going to talk about that for sure. But before we get into that, we want to remind everybody to check out coloradosportsguys.com for links to our Facebook where you can like us, our Twitter account where you can follow us, and, of course, our Amazon.com, Amazon.com affiliate link. If you go to coloradosportsguys.com and click through the Amazon banner at the top of the page each time, you do your normal shopping, you will be supporting this podcast. And we get a little percentage of that. And we don't ask for donations. I think that's kind of lame. I would never do that. This is a labor of love that we do here. Donations kind of like being out on the street with a hat, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I'm not down with that. <laughs> not but, yet, anyway. But this is a labor of love, and there is a, a cost to us for producing this. And, uh, Time is money, Ross. And Exactly. <laughs> so go to, go to coloradosportsguys.com and uh, – Click on that Amazon banner at the top, and then uh, go do your normal shopping. And uh, we're going to, a little bit later, go ahead and relate some of the uh, purchases that have been made by you people out there, and we appreciate it so much. If you want to contact us, uh, you can email us, show at coloradosportsguys.com, or use our phone number, 720-722-1274, to leave us a voicemail or send us a text message. I got an interesting one to... um, read a little bit later a text message because uh, it brings up 
something that was uh, a lot of dis- in a lot of discussion earlier this year regarding a player who has left the Broncos and have gone has gone on to another AFC West rival. Yes, I was privy and, to this question. I know what it is. Yeah, we we discussed that ahead of time. Yeah. So we're gonna get into that. But you know, I let me ask you something, Nate. Nate Timmons. Yeah, sure. You got two questions. This will be the first one. I, I, did I say that? I have two questions. No, that's just what I'm allowing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> two questions, everybody. No, I just want to. I just want to tell you uh, about my weekend. Okay. I had big plans for my weekend. Just this past weekend. Yes. This was. Opening weekend for NFL, right? right. First proper Sunday. It was proper. also the first Bronco regular season game. Yep. No, don't know if you heard about that, but the Broncos did play a game Sunday. Saw something about it. And in addition to that, the Colorado sports wife left town. Left town. And in fact, she left the country. Left the country. Yeah, she was going to spend a few days in Central America. Nice. And visiting some family. One of my favorite places I've never been. Oh, it's fantastic. Costa Rica is beautiful. But she was uh, all set up. Her flight was going to be midday on Saturday. And I was uh, gearing up to drive her to the airport around 11 o'clock when we get a phone call from her dad saying, flight's been canceled. Now, I had plans for Saturday after I dropped her off all day. And then for Saturday night, and then for Sunday day, <laughs> then Sunday night, and I had pre-called in sick to work for Carefully Monday. Carefully orchestrated plans, it sounds Carefully like. Carefully orchestrated plans. It and all depended on timing. Had to be perfect timing from point A to point B yeah, to C. That- I filled that itinerary up. I had a friend. He was flying in from out of town to for the Bronco game. Boys weekend. I haven't seen him for a while. Yeah, we were going to do a little poker night Saturday night. We were going to, uh, you know. Have a few beers, maybe, perhaps. I don't know, depending on how we were feeling. Yeah, or cocktails, you know. Yeah, or cocktails. Yeah. yeah. Or cocktails, yeah. And uh, flight's canceled. Ugh. So clearly that ruins my Saturday afternoon plans. Wipes it off the books. Right. But it also ruined my Saturday night plans as well. Not just <laughs> afternoon because – Although guess, you're so concerned about guess when, her getting to see her father. Yeah, I, I, I was. And, your you know, Whatever. I'm not saying <laughs> – No, it, I hear you. I'm not saying it ruined my weekend or anything, but it ruined my plans. Or yes. I had to cancel the plans. I had to call an audible yeah. as Peyton Manning might. As he might you know? You know, a couple hundred times during a game. Yes, yeah, so yeah. I'm familiar. Yeah, and so uh, – the real damage was done when the next available <laughs> flight was not Saturday evening, right? Let's say that next flight was six o'clock. All right, I take her to the airport at five. Yeah, you know, and then I could continue us. on. Or four, you gotta get there two, two hours, hours early. Two hours early. You never yeah. know what could happen. But the next flight wasn't at five fifty p.m. on Saturday. It was five fifty a.m. on Sunday. Ah, uh. so this means I'm going to bed at. Eight o'clock <laughs> yeah. Saturday night. Yeah. Because I got to get up at four in the morning to take her to the airport. Now, then I called the Audible, changed my plans, right? New plans. 4 a.m., wake up, drive to the airport. I'm home by 5 30, go back to bed, rest up, right? For the Sunday afternoon tailgating and Bronco game per usual. Yeah. But I am so excited when I get back. I cannot go to sleep. Oh, yeah. I was so excited. I couldn't sleep. 
I, I you need black curtains and a lot of NyQuil. Yes. Yeah. So five thirty in the morning, I find myself at the grocery store buying breakfast burrito <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I'm there, the buddy. only one in the store, other than the people that are stocking shelves. They were open, but even their automatic doors weren't operating. So I walk up. To I had that one same experience I, like two weeks ago. I was in Albertsons. Everybody's unpacking. I was buying breakfast stuff. Yeah, it was I awesome. did not even know Albertsons existed anymore. Well, there's like one left. Man. Is there? Just yeah, out in Aurora. Yeah, thriving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the problem with Albertsons is they invested not in the uh, conveyor belt, but in that weird big disc that just spins. <laughs> yeah, it's like this is stupid. And these guys have the they have the conveyor belt, so maybe that's oh, they, why they're oh, still they're around. stepping up. Yeah. Good for them. So I'm there. I buy breakfast burritos. I make myself a big breakfast and now uh, i mean i'm just wide awake so excited i'm, I'm excited for the 11 a.m start right for the NFL, you know the early game i think it was the jets and the bills that was locally broadcast, oh, it broadcast. Was. yeah fred jackson went down early and that one hurt me oh sorry to hear that <laughs> and uh so I, I i now have like four and a half hours to kill i clean this home Top to bottom. I'm vacuuming. Dusting. I even remarked of, of yeah. how came, clean it was. You came in, and uh, it's just sparkling, right? It's very nice. <laughs> it did. And, uh, even the Colorado sports cat looks like he got some sort of it's bath. A, it's a she. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Bella Fuzz Pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> her last name is Fuzz Pants because her pants, uh, like her legs, are furry, so it looks like she's wearing fuzzy pants. <laughs> that is true. Pajama yeah. pants. Yeah. Comfy. Yeah. Fuzz pants. So uh, I, I kill that time, right? And I'm just holding off, right? Because one of the problems with the like, Broncos playing in prime time on national television is oh, that it's brutal. It's that the game starts so late. And when you go to a normal two o'clock tailgate, right? You show up around eleven, eleven thirty, something like that, and you just start pounding the Dale's Pale Ales. Maybe have a few brats or whatever, whoever, whatever people are cooking. But the thing is, like people and, and Denver Bronco fans were excited, so excited they wanted to still show up at the eleven eleven thirty time. <laughs> yeah, but you don't realize, like you know, the difference between eleven and two o'clock, right? Like, say it's a late an afternoon game and you show up at eleven. It's only about three hours, two hours, depending on how hardcore you are. Some people show up at ten. Some people even show up earlier. But it's still a reasonable amount of time to enjoy some cocktails and maybe some cornhole or you know whatever, playing some washers in the parking lot. But when it's six thirty, start right. That is seven hours potentially long, long that you're time. going to be drinking beer in the sun, getting heat stroke, alcohol poisoning, and this <laughs> spells disaster. Yeah. So I had to keep just holding off, right? Just holding off on when I head down there. Because even if you show up at the two o'clock time, you know, that's still like four and a half hours, which you wouldn't normally have. So it's just yeah. kind of hold off, hold off, hold off, hold off. Remember, I didn't go back to sleep after waking up at four. End up at the Bronco game. Fantastic. Great game. We'll talk about that later. But after the game, separates from some friends. Different groups go different ways. But the Colorado sports wife is out of town. So what do I do? Pull an all-nighter. End of the night, right? We're out of the bars downtown, which were uh, weirdly empty. Did you go to 24K? I, That's where all the Broncos think, were after the game. I, I don't know what that is. It sounds like a place <laughs> I wouldn't go to. No. <laughs> and I won't say where I did go because I'm not a big fan of those downtown bars, to be honest. Yeah. And it's not my scene, man. Yeah, you got to pick and choose. It's real careful these days. Right. And uh, so anyway, end of the night, trying to meet up with some of my friends, including the guy that came in from New York that you know I just spent a few minutes with before the game. Come on over. I don't know what time it is. I'm in a Broncos haze. And to be honest, the blood wasn't going to my brain. 
at this point. Yeah, little was, lightheaded, little I, woozy, it was sleep from, deprived. It was from the first moment I saw Peyton Manning walk out onto the field and play those first couple downs that I had some blood flow gathering in other parts of my body. So, as I'm sure a lot of Bronco fans have. Too much information, Ross. <laughs> yeah, I'm only saying this because I think a lot of people can relate. There was some arousal about watching Peyton Manning, you know, be our quarterback. Yeah. So they come over 2 a.m. This is great, right? <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard of a game called Shut the Box, but it's like a no. British gambling game, you know, okay. where you roll dice and flip these tiles. It's a lot of fun. Highly recommend it. Sounds Go good. to Amazon.com and pick up a, a set. It's a fun party game. I cannot get them to leave my house, though, after a while. And it wasn't until about 5, 5.30 in the morning that I realized I've been up for 25 and a half straight <laughs> hours. Yeah. And thank God I pre-called in sick to work on Monday. Oh, you wouldn't have made it. Oh, yesterday was brutal. But I just <laughs> I, I still had a smile on my face all day because the Broncos and Peyton Manning and not just Peyton Manning, a, lo- a lot of things looked good. And we're going to talk about that for sure. But the Broncos are back, and I'm as excited now as I have been since we got Peyton Manning, since we signed him back in March. I am just more excited. I'm more excited, and I was really excited beforehand. Yeah, it's so real now. There's a lot to be excited about. Yes, indeed. How about you, buddy? How was your weekend? It was good, man. I went uh, super low-key. did the vice versa from you. But I do, I do feel your pain on the, the flight thing. My, uh, my sister spent a weekend uh, out of town, uh, Labor Day weekend, and then when she came back, her flight was delayed like five or six hours. So I was kind of waiting on that, but I was like, man, that's brutal. At least, you know, the delayed flight, I think, is worse than the canceled flight because you're at the airport for God knows it's, how long. It is much worse. You're right. And for the person waiting. Ugh, it's yes. brutal. Yes. But I went super low-key. I, um, I watched CU lose to Sacramento State Saturday. I watched CSU lose to North Dakota. They both, <laughs> you know, so they come out, play the Rocky Mountain Showdown, and then they both, uh, like I said, when you watch – Teams like Alabama, LSU, you see that these guys have real talent, and then you see CU and CSU come out and uh, you know have their little slap fight, and then they come out the next weekend, and both programs get utterly embarrassed. Uh, Sunday, I just kind of chilled out, watched football all day, watched my boy uh, Fred Jackson get hurt for the Bills. Fantasy. Now he's your boy because he's on your fantasy football team. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, saw that, you know, watched that game. Watched a little bit of, uh, they showed some bonus coverage of the Redskins Saints. I was kind of intrigued to see Robert Griffin the third play because I uh, legendarily, as I did with Peyton Manning, thought he'd be a bust. He looks fantastic. And then, uh, he looks more than fantastic. Yeah, he looks good. And who knows? There's a, there's a lot of football yet to be played. Yeah. But, and, you know, geared up, watched the Broncos game, uh, just kind of chilled out. 139.9 uh, quarterback rating for RG3. Oof. Led the league. It's pretty good. On his debut. Pretty good. In a victory. Yeah. So good for him. Yeah. It's good for him. Nice. But yeah, I mean, I went low key. I went opposite of you. I uh, got a lot of sleep. Got, um, it, it, I, I pretty much was a dork, but it was great. Well, you Read know, a bunch, hung I, out at home, I'm, went I'm, to the gym. I'm very jealous. <laughs> I'm very jealous. Also cleaned my house, scrubbed the floors. Wow. Gave the wood floors a nice cleaning. Productive. Yeah. A lot of sleep, went to the gym. Yep. I, you're right. We did do the opposite. <laughs> we had opposite weekends, man, but we're here in the same place now, Ross. Yeah, and I'm hoping uh, I won't be recuperated until tomorrow 
evening, I think. Yeah. Because it was just 25 and a half hours away. What and then you start looking forward to Friday. What business know? do I have being up at 5.30 in the morning after not going to sleep the night before? What business do I have doing that? Probably all As of them, man. As a 30-something grown man. It sounds amazing. The cat was looking at me. <laughs> she <had laughs> disapproving the, eyes. The Colorado sports <laughs> cat was just looking at me and shaking her head. <laughs> you dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> That's what she said. Oh, well, you pulled it off. You're here now. It's all good, man. Yeah, and I'm excited. So um, we are going to, uh, I think, take a little break here and yeah. come in. The, uh, we're going to talk about the Nuggets because this, uh, first of all, the Nuggets season is quickly approaching. I it mean, is. Training camp's like three weeks away. You mean fall camp? Yeah, fall a camp. spinoff from summer camp? <laughs> it is. Nuggets on Awana. Back to school. Got to get your supplies, pencils, folders. Yes, and I, I don't know if it's a, a product of me hanging out with you once a week to do this podcast, but I am very excited about the Nuggets and their prospects this season. Uh, I've mentioned last week I'm excited about Quincy Miller, and uh, a lot of people think he's you know not going to maybe be a big contributor, but I think he will be. But before we like go into like too much, like we got so much, we're gonna have so much time to break down the Nuggets preseason wise. We are gonna take a little step back and look into the past. Yes, and and look at the most hated Nuggets of all time. And this is again sports hate, sports hate, not hate hate, guys. Yeah, you're not going out there looking to hurt somebody. Don't take anything personally when we talk about you guys here. <laughs> Indeed, let's do it. All righty. As posted by the present Nate Timmons on September 10th, 2012, most sports-hated player, Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets edition, I guess. Yeah, this, I guess. Is, this is kind of a fun concept. We have our, 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 our writers at SBNation.com are trying to compile a list of all the NBA teams to see which fan bases you know, have their most hatred for whatever players. So it's going to be really cool. I think it's going to be over the weekend or next week when this comes out. So we're trying to get a beat on the Nuggets fan base, right? So I had my original poll list, and I just kind of named, I don't know what we had on there, 10 or 11 guys. And then as the comment section started rolling in, and I people started six. voting, I redid the poll. Oh. Because there was so much that I had, there's a couple guys I left off, and it was just... You know, I had to redo it to get more of an accurate portrayal. I see. So what we have on here now for the most hated Nuggets, of course, the two guys leading the way, Carmelo Anthony, obviously for ditching the city of Denver. He has received 31% of the vote thus far. We're going to keep this open until Friday. Uh, Bernie Bickerstaff, not a player for the Nuggets, but a uh, front office member, the general manager with the team back when Takemi Mutombo left. Uh, he famously traded away the 10th pick, which he could have selected Steve Nash or Kobe Bryant. He traded back to the 23rd pick and selected a guy he'd never seen. Uh, Ethmos Renzias from Greece, who never played for the Nuggets. So that was kind of a blunder. And then it seemed like he just kind of let the team fall apart and then uh, skipped town. Well, now, he was a GM. But then he was also the coach, right? Didn't he have a stint as the coach? He did at one point step in, maybe two points. Was it points. after Dan Issel yeah, was he, fired for his racist comments? I believe that was it. Yeah, <laughs> he came down on the bench and then tried to do it himself. It's um, still one of my most favorite. And it's pretty devastating for Dan Issel to get caught saying what he did. Yeah. Because 
First of all, Danisal. If this would have just control kept your the, maintain your composure. If you just kept the racist part out of it, he would have been okay. Yeah, like, if you just said POS instead of Mexican POS. Yeah, I mean, come <laughs> on, Mexican POS. It would, you know, obviously he wouldn't have said white POS if it was a white person. So there's pretty, pretty blatant racism there. But anyway. Go ahead. Yeah. Anyway, so Bernie Bickerstaff uh, actually tied with Carmelo Anthony right now, also receiving 31% of the vote. Um, and then we have some of our, our lesser ones. Anthony Carter I put on there just because he receives so much grief on our blog, and George Carl just absolutely loves Anthony Carter. He actually has an open invitation for him to join the coaching staff whenever he wants. But I put AC on there for his actual play with the Nuggets. He's receiving 13% So he of the played vote. poorly, or he didn't play up to his potential – well, he or... was uh, – okay, so in the Western Conference Finals, George Carl trusted him to inbound the ball on one of those plays where Trevor Ariza stole it and sealed the win for the Lakers. Uh, Anthony Carter, why is your backup – probably your third-string point guard, but he was the backup that season. Why is he in there in that situation? You know, he was – And then what did he do? He threw it and turned it over when he yeah, passed he th- it in? threw it to Trevor Ariza. And Ariza uh-huh. sealed the game up for the Lakers, thus – ruining Denver's chances of perhaps advancing to the NBA Finals. But right. there was more that went into that. Anthony Carter never shot very well for the Nuggets. Played some good defense. I mean, it's kind of unfair, I guess, to throw him into this list in a sense, but he was pretty scrubby, and he did get a lot of playing time for what people would say unknown reasons, I would say. I hear you. Uh, so he's got 13% of the vote. Uh, Dale Ellis, nominated by one Andrew Feinstein for being a constant whiner, was also on there. Heard uh, there's stories. We had readers posting stories about you know people knew him from his days in Seattle when he was you know not a very good teammate either. Known in Denver for taking a lot of shots and constantly complaining about playing time, referees yelling at teammates. Mm-hmm. Cool uh, flat top though. Great flat top. Yeah. Yep. Uh, threw John Barry on the list. John Barry played for the Nuggets for one season. He's received 14 percent of the vote. But he is currently employed by ESPN where he seems to have an axe to grind with the Nuggets. Like he's never on the Nuggets. You know, you watch ESPN and Tom Jackson's always kind of rooting for the Broncos. You know, he played for the Broncos. He gives them some love. John Barry, complete opposite. Absolutely seems to hate the Nuggets. Tries to take them down any chance he's on the air. Uh, John Barry doesn't have a connection to the Nuggets like TJ has for Broncos. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, I mean, Tom Jackson's maybe, you know, some people are like, maybe he should be in the Hall of Fame, right? As a Bronco. Yes, yeah. John Barry played for like 14 teams. Yeah. Never more than a couple of years. Right. And was kind of let go in place of like Vashon Leonard. So it's like, yeah, he probably has a bit of an axe to grind with the Nuggets, but he definitely makes that very public and very well known. Yeah, I don't think there's – like when you think of John Barry, you don't even think of a single team, like a particular team. Like some guys will play their, the majority of their career with a team or then they'll go on and maybe win a championship. Or, but John Barry is such an insignificant player. I don't even know why he's on the list. I think he won a championship with the Pistons, but honestly the thing that he's most famous for, if you think of John Barry, you think of his dad Rick. The underhand free throw Underhand shooter. free throws, wore a wig when he played, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then you also think of his brother, Brent Berry, who was drafted by the Nuggets and then traded for Antonio McDice on draft night. So, you know, he's, he's famous for having a famous dad and a famous brother, but he wasn't a bad player. I kind of liked him when he was here, and it, I was somewhat upset when he left, but then when I, whenever you see him on ESPN, it's like, oh, this guy's terrible. He's killing the Nuggets. Like, get him out of here. So most sports-hated player, Denver Nuggets edition – now there's two guys on here, well, we Bernie Biggerstaff and John Barry, who are hated not for being players but for being a GM 
slash coach and an, uh, an, an NBA analyst. analyst. Correct. Yeah. And then we also have, this is kind of a tough one too. We had a lot of people, I had Kenny Martin on the list originally, and a lot of people were like, it's not his fault, you know, that he got paid so much money, but I would kind of put him on there for what he said after he left. You know, he left the Nuggets and then he kind of blasted George Carl and said George Carl should just shut up about talking about Carmelo Anthony and whatnot. So I kind of put him on there for that and maybe burning his bridges with the Nuggets, but people wanted me to nominate Kiki Vandaway for actually giving Kenny Martin that contract. Problem there, Kiki Vandaway was a pretty fantastic player for the Nuggets back in pretty, his heyday. I mean, he pretty was, fantastic. He was good. I mean, it's not like I remember watching him play a lot, but he's a legend, and he was one of our best players. Yeah, and he also netted the Nuggets, I think, a pretty nice trade after they got rid of him. I believe they got uh, Fat Lever in a trade after they let him go to Dallas when they dealt him. So I was gonna want, I was gonna ask if Vandaway was you know because I don't really remember, but was he a contemporary for I guess not Fat Lever, but. Dan Isley must have played with him. He must have played yeah. with David Thompson. Yep. Um, maybe uh, He was on Adrian, some of the greatest Nuggets teams, Adrian Dantley. Adrian Dantley, yeah. I, I, uh, I don't know if I'm right or not, but we might have traded Dantley for Kiki. Oh, yeah, I could be wrong there. But when, before Dantley went to Utah and Saint, or Salt Lake and yeah, broke all those records. Something there, but Dantley's kind of famous for being kind of a, a selfish player in a sense, but that's okay. We talk about that. And a bad coach for the Nuggets when he took over for George in the playoffs that year we lost to Utah. He's still on the staff, right? No, he's been gone uh, for like two seasons. What? We actually, Chris Thompson actually broke that story on uh, Denver Stiss for us. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, Dantley's gone. Dantley. Oh, Dantley is gone. But uh, yeah, we put Kiki on there just for uh, handing out that Kmart deal, although Kiki should also be awarded for things like I guess you could say drafting Carmelo Anthony, although he famously wanted Darko Milicic and was trying to trade up to get him. <laughs> uh, but he did bring in Andre Miller. Uh, he made what I thought was maybe the greatest trade in Nuggets history when he unloaded all of our salary to Dallas in place for uh, Juwan Howard, and the Nuggets were able to make some of the moves they did with the Carmelo era after that. He traded um, Antonio McDyess for Marcus Camby and Nene's rights. So he Ooh. did a lot of good things for the Nuggets. Except for Nene. <laughs> yeah, except for, except for Nene in some people's eyes. I, I, I would have put him on this list. I hate Nene. Nene. We actually had a vote for Aaron Aflalo. Somebody said that he never quite lived up to the hype. and It's, purely, it's clearly skewed for most recent stuff. Right. It is, and that's it's kind of surprising because our, our vote is split. It's 31% for Mello and Bernie Bickerstaff, so that does show you that there are some people that were following the Nuggets back in the early 90s and all through the 90s, I guess. That's not that long ago. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of surprising that Bernie's holding up so well with Mello. I think we're going to have a dual winner on this one. Well, you know, I have two Kiki Vandaway stories. Okay. Do you want to hear them? Personal yeah. stories, my interaction. Back in uh, my college days, I used to be a valet parker at the Pepsi Center. And uh, so we'd be parking cars for – back then it was like Jake Plummer and, you know, all those Broncos yeah. that were Al coming Al Wilson through. perhaps? Yeah. Well, yeah. He was always In his Lincoln Navigator that he got from uh, the a local dealership as a part of his uh, – this was not when he was a player. This was after when he was on the radio. I oh. guess he still is. Wait, Alfred Williams or Al Wilson? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said Alfred Williams. No, Al oh, Wilson, linebacker. Yeah, Al Wilson. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't remember specifically parking his cars, but we used okay. to park a lot. Yeah. And then the company I worked for for uh, got also got hired to do local uh, parties, right? Like uh, people had a Christmas party 
Like and Mike Shanahan famously had valet service at his parties. Yeah, was it famously? I, I never uh, valet parked his. Oh, I had some friends that were valets that did. Oh, yeah. See, that would have been better. But we got hired to do Kiki Vandeway's party. Okay. And uh, Kiki Vandeway had this uh, beautiful house on uh, Cheeseman Park, just a couple blocks on the east side. Actually, just one block. Beautiful old house. This house must have been 100 years old. Just fantastic. And uh, we were there. I was there parking cars for all the guests that were showing up at his house, right? And uh, Kiki... Where did you park these, by the way? On the street? Did yeah, just on somewhere? the street, right? So, like, people would come up, and instead of having everybody park and then walk, they yeah. would just pull up to the front, and it was kind of this old, I don't know, kind of like a plantation style, right? Like a, like a Greco, like a, you know, Greco new, new like, what's that called? I don't know. It's like a Greek style plantation house, a little bit, right? And uh, and and I, I I bring this up because a lot of the people who vote on these types of polls might be voting a little bit out of ignorance because some people didn't like Kiki Vandeweghe when he was the GM of the Nuggets for some of the moves. You mentioned a few that were good and bad. One of the guys I worked with, we were uh, walking somebody up. The, it was like an old couple. We were walking the, the woman and the man up the stairs. We were on the front porch of Kiki Vandeweghe's house, and uh, he had a uh, welcome mat, a doormat that said uh, Maison de Vandeweghe. <laughs> right? okay. I think Vandeweghe might be a French name. As we're walking <laughs> back, the guy looks at me, and he's like, what a pretentious prick Kiki Vandeweghe is. He has a... He has a floor mat that says Mansion of Vandeweghe. God, this guy's so arrogant. No wonder, blah, blah, blah. And and I don't know French. Yeah. But I know in French, maison means house. It doesn't mean <laughs> mansion. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, like, all I'm saying is he was, like, he was looking for reasons to hate Kiki Vandeweghe because he already hated Kiki Vandeweghe. Right. And he used evidence that really, like, his welcome mat said Vandeweghe's house. Or, you know, he went into this thing assuming yeah, one thing. Yeah, so he's looking for it. Yeah. So, and then uh, another story. I was coming back from New Orleans. We, I went down to New Orleans for, I, I think it was like a weird time to go to New Orleans, like November. We were we were going down there for no reason at all. Just you know, that I think we were weird. in college and we just wanted to go to Pick New a Orleans. Place. Yeah, all right. And so we go to New Orleans, and on the way back, I get upgraded to first class, which was when you are coming back from New Orleans. It, I, the only place I could think of that would be better to get upgraded to first class after a trip would be Vegas. Yeah, because you just racked, drained. Some room, some places just to stretch out, to sleep. sleep. Yeah. So I'm sitting there in uh, first class. The only time I've ever flown first class. I don't even know how I got upgraded. It was just luck. You know, I don't know. And uh, on walks this, like, gorgeous blonde woman. Just absolutely just, like, everybody was just, like, heads turning, eyes, you know, jaws dropping. <laughs> and then this super tall, kind of goofy-looking guy behind her and everybody's like oh he must be rich i could look at everybody's eyes and they're like yeah he must be rich and they sit down she sits down right next to me and then the guy she was with sits down across the aisle and as i'm sitting there kind of uncomfortable because i'm like 24 23 right trying to like check her out but not you know blatantly do kind it of old to be in college ross <laughs> yeah <laughs> another topic for another day <laughs> But I see – Me too. I'm like, oh, man, that's where I know that guy. That's Kiki Vandeweghe. So it was Kiki Vandeweghe and his wife. Nice. And she was gorgeous. 
I don't know what he was doing down there. You know. Did you pull the gentleman move and ask Kiki if you want to trade seats? No, but they asked me. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, I obliged. I said, no problem, whatever, it's cool. You know, I fly for class all the time, so I know how it is. You know, you and your wife have a good time. You know, look me up when you're in Denver. You know, we'll go get a steak. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> but, but anyway, those are my two interactions with Kiki Vandway. And uh, I didn't ever meet Kiki when we were valet parking his party, but I did meet his wife then. And actually, I gave those stories out of sequen- sequential order. Yeah. So when I met uh, Kiki Vandway's wife later, she was very, very nice. Awesome. And Kiki seemed okay, too. So you wouldn't vote for him on this poll? No, and the other thing is, like, <laughs> the Kmart contract. I mean, whatever. The guy came from New Jersey. Like, we hate him because of the contract. Yeah, he came over from New Jersey as a $60 million a year player. At the time, this was a big coup for the Nuggets to get a guy like Kenyon Martin. Yeah, a lot of people was, forget that. I mean, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty, you know? But it was like, at the time, there was basically Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, and then the, the third best power forward could have been – it was wide open. And you bring over an all-star from New Jersey and Kenny Martin, it was like, wow, the Nuggets can compete with these guys now. Like you throw him in there, match him up against these guys defensively. I mean we're going to be right in the mix for everything. And then obviously things fell apart. But And was, before he oh, came so over, excited. he didn't have the perpetual injuries that he had. Well, he might have had a little, like, one knee injury, but it wasn't like... Uh, he broke both legs. He broke one leg in college his senior year, missed the tournament. Cincinnati was a one seed. They got bounced early. And then his rookie year with New Jersey, he broke his other leg. But they were both, like, lower leg injuries and kind of minor. And I don't know, you know, what that does to your body is, you know, what did that cause any injuries later? There's no way of knowing that, I don't think. Yeah. I'm not a doctor, anyway. I wouldn't put Kmart on this <laughs> list. <laughs> You're not? I watch a lot of House, but no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was lupus. Yeah. No, that's the problem. They were diagnosing a broken leg, but for Kenny Martin, he had lupus. Yeah, yeah. could have been. But I wouldn't put Kmart on here, but uh, Kmart deserves to be on there more than Kiki, I think. Yeah, and, and easily. Because he, didn't, he, he played hard in contract years and only towards the end of those years. But he also took a lot of jumpers that he launched at about 60 miles an hour at the rim. <laughs> yeah. You know, he took bad fouls. Like somebody pointed out, you know, he grabbed Kobe Bryant's leg during – you know, a key playoff series and got a technical foul for it. And it, you know, it was just kind of, he kind of did things at the wrong time. He got thrown out of that Clippers playoff series because he was frustrated. He got in a fight with Carl in the locker room or something happened where Carl suspended him for the playoffs. And well, was, there, there was never any question that Kenny Martin was insane, right? Yeah. Whether or not he was, had physical injuries, we knew he was mentally unstable. Bit of a hothead. He, 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 uh, twitch, <laughs> you know? Yeah, he, he does a lot of work for the. He's got uh, like a like a crazy tick. Like, he has, yeah, he has a stutter, and he's he's been on the board for like the American Stuttering Foundation. I don't that name's not right, but he does a lot of like community work that way. Yeah. I remember one time right after Hurricane Katrina, they were asking for clothing donations uh, down on like Blake Street. I, don't, I think it was at like Beta or something, one of those clubs down there. It was during the day, and we went and dropped stuff off, and Kenny Martin was actually there, like. Working, like picking up clothes from people and like hauling it back in bags and stuff. So I thought it was kind of cool. I thought he was a good community member. Yeah, I don't think he was that bad of a guy. But who did who would you have voted for? If, I mean, are you allowed to vote on your own polls? Of course, why not, man? That's who would you point, vote for? Right? I would have probably voted for Bernie Bickerstaff because the team that we had in ninety three ninety four didn't need to disappear. That team that beat the Sonics, that pushed the Utah Jazz to seven games, he let Dikembe. Matumbo go for absolutely nothing. I think he won like $10 million a year, which was a pretty fair rate at that time for a starting center in the NBA who was a, 
I believe, like a back-to-back defensive player of the year plus a perennial rebounding champion. And leading the league in blocks. <laughs> leading the league in blocks. Like, I mean, like double-digit blocks or something crazy. I mean, yeah. I don't know if he averaged 10 a game. I don't think he did, but yeah, he averaged a lot. But you let Matumbo walk. You kind of let that excitement that was building up in Denver from 93 to 95 just completely goes away after that. He blows that draft pick by trading the 10th pick when he could have, you know, picked up a guy like, you know, Steve Nash, Kobe Bryant, who Kobe Bryant was on everyone's radar. Nash, maybe not so much. But, yeah, I mean, this guy ruined basketball for a, an incredible length of time. Carmelo and my man. generation. Yeah. Am I mad that Carmelo wanted to, you know, use his rights as a free agent and go somewhere else? Not really. And the fact that Denver was able to get a trade that was of such value that they have the team they have now. I can't be too mad at him. The Nuggets are in better place than the New York Knicks are right now, in my opinion. Oh, I would agree, and it, it's also a completely different era. Just you know, twenty years apart, uh, you know, between the leverage that players have now and the dollar amounts that they are uh, that they are getting here for. I mean, Nene, I, I bring this up all the time. Nene is a ten to twelve million dollar a year player, and that's on the, you know, just kind of like the mid-range of a, of a veteran. And they're, you know, you know top-loading top all the veterans, and they're kind of screwing over the young guys right now in the NBA. I, I mean, I would rather have all the young guys we have at, you know, 3 or $4 million a year than one Nene at 10 or 12. You know, like, uh, like what's going on with, uh, with uh, Quincy Miller and Evan Fournier, right? Like yeah. I'm no fan of Evan Fournier, but like their contracts they have are a pittance compared to what Nene has has, uh, has earned. Yeah, and Nene never proved he was worth that. Yeah, it's rookie deals are a lot more reasonable in the NBA. I mean, that's really the only time that you're going to get value, and that's really for teams like the Nuggets. That's where you really have to hit. You know, those you have to hit on your draft picks because you can get guys like Kenneth Fareed for three or four years at you know, a million, two million bucks before they really, you know, hit the big time and get a new contract after three or four years in the league. So, yeah, it's important to hit on those picks. And once these veterans start getting paid, like right now the Nuggets aren't cheap. You know, like Danilo Gallinari's going to be making close to double digits and, you know, he's making nine, ten million. JaVale McGee, same thing. Wilson Chandler, seven and a half million. Iguodala is the highest paid player, I think at like fourteen million or something. So this team deserves is, it deservingly though. Yeah, deservingly. I think Iguodala uh, completely changed the face of our Nuggets team this offseason. That I mean, combine that with you know with the young talent we have, and and uh, I think Iguodala will absolutely change the prospects of the Nuggets team. You know, we had Matt Moore on from every. Every Network website yeah. ever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, hardcore, hardcore paroxysm, I think was the one. Um, that his, his main one. Right? Hardwood paroxysm. Yeah. Is that what it is? Hardwood paroxysm? Paroxysm. Par- I can't pronounce that word. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he doesn't seem to think that the Nuggets are, are going to be real contenders for the finals. But that was that before Iguodala came? That was right after. It was right after. But he still thinks, like he was saying, he thinks the Nuggets are still building up to a bigger move. He thinks that they have more moves in mind as to where myself, I kind of see this team planted out a little bit. But, I mean, he's a lot more – he's more plugged in than I am nationally. So, I mean, he may be onto something there. I respect the uh, guys like you and Matt Moore and Jeff Morton and Andrew Feinstein and, and the other guys who – 
analyze the game of basketball, and I respect the uh, way you guys go about predicting moves. And like you just said, you think they're going to sit tight. Matt Moore thinks they're going to do a big move. One thing that I find a little disconcerting, or I guess I see it as kind of like a safe play, is when guys predict uh, success or, or failure on a season, right? I feel like the way things work is that in order to be taken seriously as a pundit or an analyst is you have to be pessimistic a little bit, meaning that I wouldn't pick the Broncos to go to the Super Bowl this year if I wanted people to consider me as a legitimate, legitimate, yeah, as like a legitimate pundit or legitimate analyst. And I don't want to pick the Nuggets to go to the finals or win the championship because that's ridiculous. And people aren't going to view that as – a uh, serious yeah, discussion. And, and so like, but so I get that. But what you end up getting is just a bunch of people picking nine and seven football teams and uh, second round Lakers out, and the Celtics. Right? Right? Yeah. 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 And yeah, exactly. And, you know, they, they, they're a lot of the opinions and the, and the mood surrounding these teams, like the Nuggets, like a lot of that uh, momentum that builds around the fan base base is based on the opinions of a lot of people. In your position and other and, and other guys in your position. And I, I want to see some guys step out and, and uh, you know, kind of just be like, you know what, I think the Nuggets can do it. And, and, and maybe realistically they can't, but, but I think they can. I think they can be a real contender this year. It's always kind of tough to really predict. Like we go every year and we'll try to predict the eight playoff teams out of the Western Conference and the East. But, you know, you never get those right. You always miss really bad on at least two teams and you always – you know, you always have some surprises or whatever, but it always, I think at the end of the season, it's kind of, it's, it's, you know, you want to say the Nuggets are going to make the playoffs, but you don't know how far they'll go until you kind of see how the matchups in the playoffs are going to go. Like that year that the Nuggets went to the Western Conference Finals, they had great matchups in the playoffs. That was the only time they've ever had good matchups in the playoffs. They had this Hornets team that had a banged up center, and the Nuggets happened to play really well against Chris Paul. And then in the second round, Dallas, they just owned them for some reason. So if the Nuggets get... Were they a two seed that year? Or three? Yeah, two, two? seed. Yeah. So they finished just behind the Lakers. Things broke for them, right? And things could break for them, right, this year in the playoffs. You know, you never know what's going to happen until you get there. But it's kind of something interesting that we're doing on Denver Stiffs right now as well. Another thing that fans can come and vote on is we're looking at George Carl's uh, statement from the NBA Association, Denver Nuggets, last year, where he said, you know, all these, he basically said, superstar teams are being built. We don't see ourselves going that route, so why not try to put together a team that has top 10 players at every position? So we're taking a look at the Nuggets' individual players right now and ranking them in accordance to where they are in that prediction by Carl. Are they, are the core players of this team top 10 players in the NBA at their positions. That's interesting. So we've done that. We did Ty Lawson and uh, JaVale McGee today, and we'll be more of those on Friday. We're going to look at uh, shooting guard, small forward, and power forward still. That is a really hard thing to judge. And, uh, well, maybe are you, are you going to uh, – you're doing that now. Are you going to be done with that by next week? Yeah, we'll be done. I'll be done at least by the time we do this podcast. Yeah, sure. so let's talk about that because that's interesting because the NBA does favor – top one top 10 player per team teams right you know what i mean like yeah if you have well it's mainly top 10 in the whole league you know where you get dwight howard lebron derrick rose whatever kobe right yeah but yeah as you get more guys that are you know all-star level players then you should start seeing 
right? Some favoritism perhaps from the league, from the officials, maybe start putting something together. Interesting. So. Interesting. DenverStiffs.com. Good stuff. You guys do the best off-season stuff out of any sports blog I read, and I read a lot. DenverStiffs.com does the best off-season stuff. Good in-season stuff, of course. But as far as off-season, I mean, you go to the middle of July and you're getting quality content there. I love it. You guys do a great job. Thanks, By the way, where's Jeff? The Mort Report, we got to get him back in here. Wasn't he supposed to come in last week and now this week? Yeah. I don't know what's going on. Weren't you supposed to call I did. He turned us down twice. No, no just didn't. kidding. <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, we'll get him in here soon because yeah. we got to talk let's, about these rankings. Next week, let's do that. That's yeah. awesome. All right, good deal. Nugget stuff. Denver Stiffs uh, out there. Quit complaining. We don't talk enough about the Nuggets. We talk a lot of Nuggets. And, I mean, that's kind of my favorite and part. By the way, for the Denver Stiffs readers, the price you pay for this free content is you got to listen to the rest of the show too. Indeed. All right, guys? You're gonna have Broaden to, your horizons. You're going to have to come back and listen to us talk a little Denver Broncos. <laughs> yeah. One thing I didn't mention at the top when I was going through our topics is that we're doing a modified top five list this week. Indeed, yes. Uh, we haven't done a top five list in a while, but we're going to do one tonight, but we're just going to do it in terms of what we saw in the game. These are like top five takeaways from the Bronco game on Sunday night against the Steelers. And the reason why is because we realized we're so excited about everything. First of all, we couldn't condense it all on the top one, top five. And two, we'd, all have, we'd both have the same things. Yeah, they'd be in different order, but the exact same stuff. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited about the 2012 Denver Broncos. And I think that what we saw Sunday night. And this like, is your sport too, Ross. This is the, you get, I'm looking at the wall here and I'm seeing a Champ Bailey jersey. I'm seeing a 75th anniversary Elway authentic jersey. Broncos hats galore. I see a Tebow t-shirt jersey up there still. Oh, I wanted to mention something. We've got a McCaffrey jersey, an NFL shirt. You're an NFL freak, Ross. At the game, I wore, the Elway jersey goes on, right? Yeah. I take I wore that to the games. I got that for Christmas last year. By the way, I don't think it's authentic. It was a present from the wife. Dude, it's sewn. So, that's that's as authentic it as it you, gets. Now, there's one thing that kind of tips me off. Now, if you looked at some of the details of the patches on the bottom right side there, yeah, I think you could see some abnormalities that might make it. Why would you point that out? I mean, people aren't going to. Well, notice. here's the deal. Be uh, honest. And then the patch in the V here that you can see on the Champ Bailey jersey does not exist on this uh, Elway jersey. Well, they might not have existed in that 94 season. I, I think that they all of them have that. I don't know. I think I, I, I don't. I, here's the deal. When I looked this jersey up after I got it for Christmas, if it's a fake, it is a fantastic <laughs> fake. But I looked it up, and it was like $350 or something ridiculous. And I know that's not happening. But she's like, oh, my cousin <laughs> works for Dick's Sporting Goods and got it. Hooked you know, it up. I like, wanted to fall off a truck. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That'd be even better. <laughs> Which it's a hot fine. jersey. There it's you fine. go. Yeah. It's a gorgeous jersey. I love wearing it. But what I do is I show up to the tailgate, and I don't put the Elway jersey on until I'm going into the stadium. Yeah. Right? I don't know why. I just kind of put it, you know, Tradition, baby. Throw it, keep it in the truck, and then, yeah. And, uh, but I was wearing my uh, Tebow t shirt, which is up here. Yeah. 
and people were walking by and like talking trash to me. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, I could see oh, that. what is the Tebow? What is the. And these weren't Steelers fans. We got Peyton Manning. These were now, Bronco bro. fans. Yeah. And they're like, you think. They were like, they saw me wearing the Tebow t shirt. And they're like, you'd, you'd rather have Tebow than Peyton Manning? And like that's been this weird off season debate, like this asinine debate like about Civil who you would rather have. Broncos fans. <laughs> right? yeah. And and to me, it goes like this: I don't, I didn't want Tebow over Peyton Manning, because I'm not an idiot. Yeah. But also, I didn't hate Tebow either. Yeah, it was I fun to watch Tebow. him, man. We I loved beat Tebow. the Steelers in the playoffs. Yeah. Just, we won all those crazy games by divine intervention, or yeah. who knows what. Deus ex machina. Yeah, I mean, it was great. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I, I, I loved Tebow, and, I, and, and here's the deal. I root for my guys, my team guys. Last year, around the fourth or fifth game or whatever, I, on this podcast I started bashing Kyle Orton, just saying, you know, actually more than bashing him, I was saying, just put Tebow in. Just put Tebow in. Orton's not doing it. Yeah. You know, there's only so long we can go with this mediocrity. Let's let's just mix it up. I don't care if Tebow's ten times worse. But anyway, guys were giving me uh, you know, crap for wearing the the Tebow t shirt. And I'm like, bro, we're Broncos fans here. Why are we fighting about old stuff? And you know, by the way, let me wear my t shirt here. Go go talk to the Steelers fans down there. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> so uh Which I, thought... I also heard. I heard there was not as many Steelers fans. We talked about this on the podcast, not as many as usual. Not nearly as many. Yeah. Still a good amount. But the thing is they my sister is sending me, out. My sister is sending me pictures during the game of the stadium and stuff, and I was very happy to see all the orange. Yeah. They those Steelers fans do stand out. And they did have a little orange terrible towel thing going too. But that bright yellow or whatever, yeah. gold, it's, a yellow, it's yellow, right? Yeah. Or gold, I don't know. But that really does stand out. And also the Steelers fans themselves stand out because they're just like blatantly dumber than everybody else right. in their vicinity. <laughs> but anyway, two th- words kept coming to mind as I was watching this game. And I learned from last year, Timmons. Last year was the first Broncos season we did this podcast, and I could never – remember anything. Are we getting into your top five now or not? Well, yet? we're going to go into the top five for sure, okay. yeah. But there, no, the, the two words I kept thinking about, and, and what I did was I, I just jotted down notes as I was watching the game to remind me of things because last year I would show up to this podcast after a game and be like, I don't know what happened. Yeah. We won or lost, but I don't remember who did what or what did any, you know, I just, because I was at the game and. That happens you know, to me yeah, too. Dancing games. around, whatever, having a good time, high-fiving strangers. Yeah. And, uh, but two words kept popping up and I was taking notes during this, which was very, very great. I, I, I strongly recommend this for anybody who hosts a sports podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was taking those notes, so my little notebook. But two words kept popping into my mind. What are they, Ross? And this is going to sound like something Al Gore might say or, or some weird environmentalist. The two words that kept popping in my mind were balance and sustainability. Okay. These two words defined, I think. It is an election year. That does sound like <laughs> propaganda. I like it. It's, it's, yeah, maybe I just had that on my mind after watching Been the conventions. Beating into your head, yeah. Yeah. But there, there were everything seemed very balanced about what the Broncos did. There were no anomalies to be weary of and – Seemingly no um, anomalies that we should be concerned about. There, there, everything about this victory, there was nothing flukish about the success. And, and that means, I think, that this success is sustainable. Yeah, they weren't depending on one thing over, you know, it wasn't like a gimmick. There wasn't any kind of 
we're going to have to rely on this all year. If it doesn't work anymore, we're screwed. Yes, everything yeah. we saw in that game was exactly to the T what you want to see in a victory, unlike last season, where every victory was that God intervening. Defense has to be perfect. Yeah. Offense needs at least two drives where they get something. Yes. Need and, a turnover. Right, right. And so, especially in a double-digit victory, which is what, which is what the Broncos had. Yeah. And, you know, in a lot of cases, you would look at a double-digit victory, especially in the Broncos' recent history, and find some weird thing to point out saying, well, this, they can't keep this up. Well, they're not going to be able to sustain that. Well, that wasn't very balanced, you know. Uh, you know, a lot of our victories last year had Tebow throwing for 12 yards but rushing for 100. Yeah, you know, and that's seven not, passes. You know, that's not balanced and it's not sustainable in the long term. Correct. So um, I saw a lot of that. And I think that we could have region- reasonable expectations for this success to continue. And so for, as far as, like, the top five takeaways, I think, that are the most important, did I mention things were balanced and sustainable? You did, yes. Just <laughs> is that number five? Yeah, and you know, and it's everything in this list is kind of goes along that theme, that uh, you know, like the running game, right? It, it's very important in the modern NFL game, but the runner himself is somewhat secondary, and the Broncos started off in Week One good as a team in rushing. Uh, they had an acceptable ninety-one yards rushing between three backs. Uh, McGahey, Ball, and Noshan Moreno. Uh, McGahey had 16 carries. He's clearly the favored running back um, of the three. But, but again, if he goes down, right, if he goes down, the Broncos aren't screwed, right? Yeah. I think you can reasonably assume that one or both of the others, you know, in addition, maybe Jeremiah Johnson makes the team a little later if one of those guys got down. I feel like if McGahey got injured, that Moreno would still be – the change of pace guy, and I think they'd plug Lance Ball in because Ball runs very similar to McGahee. He's kind of a you know a little patient, seizes one opportunity and takes it. Where you know I think that I don't know, not that it matters, but I think that's how it would go. No, I, I hear you, and yeah. and they know enough to pick. You know, they they have the selection. That's probably why Lance Ball's on the team, right? right. And, and that's why when you know you were talking before the season about you wanted Jeremiah Johnson to make the team. And it was like, are they going to go with four? Are they going to go with, you know, blah, 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 or whoever? Yeah. And, and, and I think that's why you see a Jeremiah Johnson still on the practice team because they're planning for that. These guys are smart guys. These... And the rookie, Ronnie Hillman, was deactivated for the game. So, I mean, he's, yes. he's around as well. Yes, absolutely. So, again, balanced play, but more importantly, I think it's sustainable, right? How did you feel like – I think with John Fox, it's very important for him. He's always been a believer of needing to establish that running game. And you could tell that the Broncos were trying to establish a running game. They were trying to get – it's almost like they are trying to bait Pittsburgh into a predictable, boring offense because the Broncos were trying to impose some will on them. And then it was like they would unleash these series of no-huddle offense, and it just completely threw the Steelers for a loop as to where if all they did was the no-huddle – you can kind of – I don't know if you can really game plan for it exactly because it does tire out a defense so much, but I did like that change of pace in that aspect of the game because that's kind of a lot of talk right now. A lot of people are saying, you know, why don't they just go no huddle all the time? They'd score 50 points a game. Well, that's a good point, and that's that balance. And those guys know when they need to attack, and they need, they need to know when they speed, need to speed up the pace of play, and they need to know when to 
slow it down. And that's why number four, play calling. Whether it's Peyton Manning at the line or it's Mike McCoy on the, in the booth or wherever he sits, yeah. the play calling was balanced. And I realized something last night as I was watching the you game. You probably didn't see it since you were at the game, but I believe McCoy was on the field. Was he on the field? I, I wasn't sure. Um, but one of the things I noticed was that when I watched Peyton Manning in the past play for the Colts against the Broncos, you just see him go up there and audible. And I, in my, <laughs> you know, in my point of view, I just hated him because he seemed to be changing the play to beat the offense, right? or beat the defense, and the defense was my Broncos. Right. But what I noticed yesterday was that, or t- on Sunday, was that it, I didn't seem like Peyton Manning was changing the play as much as he was just changing kind of the blocking formations. Like, he wasn't changing from a passing play to a running play, and maybe this is the way he's always done it, but I, I've never really noticed it. But I noticed that um, – uh, at the game, uh, seeing him out there, maybe it was just being seeing him in person and rooting for him, so wanting to pay attention to him. But it seemed like he was taking, you know, certain things and just changing, like just tweaking, right? And and, and I'm sure there's instances where he's like, all right, we you know we got to throw the ball deep, like the Demarius Thomas play, but the 88 yarder. But I, I loved seeing that. There were 26 passing plays. You're talking about the 71 yard. Was it 71? Yeah, <laughs> 26 passes. 27 rushes. Can you get more balanced than 50-50? Yeah. I mean, basically. And that's exactly what they need is something where you can't be game-planned for. You have to know that they can, you know, they can come at you with a traditional offense. They can come at you with this fast pace that's going to blow your defense up. And the thing that I really liked about watching this game, Ross, All right, so Peyton Manning. Well, you're talking about Peyton Manning changing some plays here and there. He missed a couple where I I think there was a play where he audibled into something, and then I believe somebody came through unblocked and took a pretty good shot on him or something. I don't remember if it was a sack or if it was a loss in the backfield to a back or whatever, but he talked before the game. He was given an interview and said the hardest thing has been learning the Broncos' terminology because the Colts had an interview with Tony Dungy. Or he said the Colts had this like unique language that only went to them, you know, and right. it didn't transfer around. Like a shorthand. Teams. Yeah, and they just got so used to it. So now, I mean, he was used to this like repetition and blah blah blah. But now he's with the Broncos, and he did make a couple of mistakes here and there. But I think it's it's got to be exciting for him. It's got to be something that's getting him more fired up and kind of it's a new challenge. And yes. it's fun to see him out there trying to work things out. And even trying to learn on the fly and play the way he did against a defense that's known for being, you know, one of the best in the NFL over what the last ten, fifteen years or something like that. Well, uh, in perpetuity, the Steelers are known, whether or not they deserve it or not. Just like the Cowboys are, are everybody predicts them to go to the Super Bowl every year. Right. Well, a lot of people do. Steelers are always going to have that, you know, attached attachment to them that they have a strong defense, and they do. And when you know you have guys out there. Like Palomalu and uh, was it Ryan Clark that couldn't play? Yeah, and understand like it does change Pittsburgh's game a little bit. They didn't have James Harrison; he's got the injured knee. Uh, Palomalu, they kept pointing out during the game that he was having to play deep in the backfield versus getting to hover around the you know defensive line like he does if Ryan Clark's there. But you know that's the way things work in the NFL. You got to bounce back from that, and it was just fun to see. 
you know, like you're saying, it's great to see the Broncos just come out and be, while they were somewhat predictable in some aspects of the game, be basically unpredictable. Yes. At the same time. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And on top of that, as far as the play calling and the strategy involved, there was a pretty big drought as far as the Broncos, Peyton Manning, and the offense just sitting on the bench. Yeah, having the ball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at this, 26 passes, 27 rushes, that's 53 plays. That's not a lot. In a, in a, you know, you wouldn't expect to see only 53 plays when you win 31 to 19. Steelers had what close to 70. Was that? Yeah, I mean, for a very long time, the Broncos' offense was just sitting there waiting. Yeah, which I think brings us to our number three reasons. Three, number three takeaway from this game to have hope for this season, and not just. Uh, homer hope, right? Like, I'm a homer. Everybody knows that. I love yeah. the Broncos. But the Broncos' defense uh, as a whole, a uh, couple things that have to be mentioned. Uh, Derek Wolf, uh, absolutely. Our number one pick from this year, is he not going to be a star? He looks pretty good, man. He looked fantastic he's got one of those i mean you always want to say it you know the dumb dumb phrases that guy's got an incredible motor but he does seem very driven to play the game and he does seem like a relentless defensive lineman and you know a guy that's big strong and is going to do well i was taking notes and i was trying to make a little note about how much time was left in the quarter so i was taking it Nine twenty six left in the quarter I just wrote W O O L F F F E one, two, three, six exclamation points. (laughs) And then I just wrote, watch him four exclamation points. Uh, That's one of my favorite things to do with the game is to grab uh, with pretty decent seats in the South stands. We're like right in the middle of the goalposts, but I love to have binoculars and I love to just spend like a few minutes just watching one particular guy. You know, I won't even watch the play. I'll just watch the one guy the whole way through just for the heck of it. Yes. It's pretty fun to do that just to kind of, I don't know how much you learn about the guy, but it's cool to do that. It's kind of fun to focus on one dude. Um, I Derek. was excited. If we're, we're switching to defense, we're going to talk a little D? Well, I'd like to talk a little defense because then it was just a few minutes later uh, with 329 left in the quarter. These must have been sacks he had. I don't know what happened. But W, I wrote W O O O O L L L L. F-F-E, another eight exclamation points. And I wrote, watch him again. Like, I almost forgot that I wrote that well, no, he had, five he had minutes the, earlier. He had the one sack, which was his first career sack. And I think he also, I think shortly after that or before that, one of the two, I think he smashed the running back in the backfield. And that had, was it. He got a think, tackle yeah. for loss. And yes. it was just like, man. But dude, this defense is like, uh, all right. So I was, I was pretty frustrated with the fact that they allowed so many third down conversions. Uh, what were the Steelers like? Eleven of nineteen on third down, or something like that. Yes. I don't know if that's correct. Sounds sounds about right. They did. Uh, the Broncos did seem to have trouble. And that was kind of the Broncos' mo. For it doesn't matter. We've had different defensive coordinators every season. Different players. The problem when we used to play the Colts was we'd stop them on first and second, and then Peyton would always pick it up on third. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was, and that was looking that way this game, and it was like, man, this is getting frustrating. 
The Steelers' offensive line is supposed to be full of backups and guys that are having problems. Denver doesn't seem to be bringing you know, consistent pressure. But then they started kind of putting things together towards the end of the game. Obviously had you know the huge turnover, had that whole series where they sacked Roethlisberger like all three times, whatever. But you look at these guys, and there's so much talent on this defense. You have Von Miller. This is kind of crazy. I was watching Monday Night Football, and Ray Lewis has dropped from – I think his, in his heyday, he weighed like 260, and he's down to 237 now. Wow. And that's what Von Miller weighs is 237. And this is the lightest Ray Lewis has ever been because this has become a speed game. And Von Miller is not only he, – he's skinny and fast, but he's also strong, just like Doomerville. So, I mean, you have you know, those two – I don't want to call them bookends because they're just closing the pocket. There was one sack they had on Roethlisberger where they, they both smashed him. And it was like, that's what you want to see is these guys collapsing that pocket and then the, you know, the guys up front bringing the heat too. But, you know, you have, you have them. You have uh, our secondary looks pretty sweet. Tracy Porter, big guy, love his size. Obviously, he's going to gamble for interceptions, paid off big time. Yes, it did. Uh, Champ Bailey, Chris Harris, fantastic nickelback. I like this new safety, Mike Adams. Raheem Moore's a guy that's, you know, kind of reminds me of Steve Atwater. He's always looking for a big hit. Up front, Justin Bannon, Kevin Vickerson. Vickerson had a couple uh, encroachment penalties. He looks like kind of a, you know, he's always going to try to make a big play. He looks kind of crazy. I like that. You I gotta have too. a crazy guy. Yes, I love that. Linebackers flying around. Wesley Woodyard, speed for days. Joe Mays, always trying to knock people out. You look at this roster, it, it looks great. It's, it's unfortunate about Ty Warren. Um, ah, he's huge too. I was looking forward to him. But then again, this he he hasn't ever been a part of the defense for the Broncos. So yeah, it's not a loss. we're not losing anything. We're, what we're losing is the potential and his his legacy as a as a player. Didn't he come from the Patriots? Yeah. So you know, clearly the guy would have been nice, but we're not losing anything because we never had him. I think if you break it down, he's been paid like a million dollars per play. <laughs> yeah, <probably laughs> you know, not. like he said, like five. Six plays for in the Bron- for the Broncos, and he got his gotten paid five point two million or something like that. Yeah, and I understand some of the concerns around the third down conversions that the Steelers seem to be able to complete at will. But we forget, and you were talking about Ray Lewis dropping some thirty seven pounds, right? I one of my notes I wrote down here was Ben looks like he's lost some weight, like he doesn't look as you know, just drunk or Very something. Very top-heavy last puffy. year. Yeah, he yeah. looks a lot better. And on top of that, even when he was heavier, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks ever to, as, as far as extending plays goes and escaping that pocket. He's big. He's got a good. He's got good vision. Great arm and, strength. Yeah, and he's also got, you know, he's big and strong. He's hard to bring down. So, yeah, the the, the Broncos were tested on defense. Well, and, add that to the fact that the Pittsburgh has probably one of the deeper wide receiver cores in the NFL. Antonio right. Brown, Mike Wallace, Emmanuel Sanders, those guys all have speed. That's a great receiving core. This is, you know, people don't want to maybe look at it because Pittsburgh's offense is, has no running game, but their passing game is going to be one of the best in the NFL. Yes, and the Steelers had the momentum. They had the momentum in that second half. And they were, they were uh, you know, and, and that's one of the things that's nice about watching what the Broncos did was that they didn't lose their composure on offense or defense. And 
Peyton Manning and the uh, and Mike McCoy and John Fox were still able to go in there after an extended offensive drought where they're just sitting on the side and not panic, maintain the game plan, still keep focus. Guys weren't getting frustrated or flustered. You didn't see a lot of like on the field pouting or anything. I mean, guys were still up. They missed some interception opportunities, and they were kind of, you know, you could just kind of tell that maybe something was going to happen. Yes, and you mentioned him once before, but he needs to be mentioned again, Tracy Porter. Uh, I thought about this the other day. Champ Bailey, I've read some articles around the interwebs about how he's overrated, as in his statistics don't represent the respect that he gets. Right. Right. Maybe his reputation precedes him a little bit. Yeah. And, it, well, yeah, I mean, it does precede him, but, like, it's it's also like people are saying, well, it's not deserved, right? Like, they might look at tackles or uh, interceptions or, or, you know, something along those lines is, as Dude, he's evidence. he's one of the best tackling corners I've ever seen. Absolutely. And I think he only had one tackle Sunday night, but that's because they were not even putting the ball in play anywhere near him. Well, you saw the one play where they did. They tried to throw that touchdown pass on the slant. I believe it was Antonio Brown, and Champ broke it up at the goal line. Yes. I mean, you just – the guy's a playmaker. He is, and he is – his worth is not represented by any stats because a defensive player, especially in the cornerback position, right, they, they need that – their name needs to be mentioned as little as possible. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, the, he can go out and get a couple interceptions a year. He can go out and, you know, have those games where he puts up, you know, eight, ten tackles. But the bottom line is Champ Bailey uh, uh, can, and he really does, even if it's even if he's not physically capable of doing it anymore, whatever. Clearly the Steelers thought he could because they weren't passing anywhere near <laughs> no. him. And I wonder about that as he gets older, right? Cornerbacks can play a long time. You know, it's wide crazy. receivers can. I wonder if there's ever going to be a time where his reputation exceeds his skill. You know what I mean? But it still has the same effect yeah. because the guys aren't, they're not going to risk throwing towards him because the last thing you want to do is throw an interception to champ Bailey. And everybody's just going to say, why did you even throw towards him? You yeah. idiot. Why did you even do that? He's so, not going to lose his hands. You know I mean? That's not going to go away. You're always going to be able to catch it. Yeah. Do you think that makes Tracy Porter's job easier in any way, knowing that he is going to face a lot of passes that day? I mean, he can kind of, I don't know. You can almost, you just know it's coming your way. So you, I don't know. Would I don't that... know if it makes it easier or harder, but I do know that it's a perfect position to be in because no matter what happens, you're going to get a chance to prove yourself. Yeah. And you're going to get a chance Tracy to play Porter, hero a lot. Yeah. Tracy Porter might get overshadowed in reputation by Champ Bailey, but if he does what he did in this game, which is play good defense and no one to jump that, I mean, clearly he, I mean, sealed that game. I mean, I don't think we would have lost if he didn't do that, but, you know, we, we would have stopped. I think we would have stopped Ben Roethlisberger in that final drive. And there's times, too, I mean, this season where Tracy Porter is going to, uh, I mean, he's going to have, you know, touchdowns scored against him, and he's going to have big plays made on him because they aren't going to Champ Bailey. You know, I mean, he's got to be on Roethlisberger through 40 times. He's got to be perfect 40 plays a game, and any time that there's any kind of flaw in his game, it's probably going to be exposed, but you're going to have to just kind of take that and know that, they're not testing Champ Bailey as much, so you have to take the good and the bad on the other side of the field 
And from what I saw, man, I mean, he almost had he almost had three interceptions in that game, yeah. if not at least two. So I feel like we're in pretty good hands. He's big, too. He's not like a little guy. Like, I like his size. He seems like he's going to match up well with anybody that he's going to, you know, square off against. Oh, it's going to be great. And uh, what else did I want to mention about the defense? There's so much to talk about with the defense. I, I just think this Derek Wolf guy. You like him, huh? Oh, uh, pro bowler. I'm liking uh, – I like Justin Bannon. I don't know. He's, he's a veteran. He's probably not going to play that much. I think he's at a CU as well. But I, I just kind of like those hard-working nose tackles. And Vickerson's another guy that I could see making a lot of good plays. He's big too. And that's – I mean with – like I said, with that pocket collapsing from the outside, those are the guys that you need to really you know, push up front to slow things down. And you know, I, I'm excited to see what this team can do against some different offenses because Pittsburgh's so pass-heavy. But – you know, they're also not slouches. Isaac Redman's not the worst running back in the league. No, I mean, they're a good team. Yeah. You know? Um, Some people are saying Pittsburgh's not going to even have a winning record this year. I'm like, what? Why? It's the same team as last year. It's the exact same team. They're, this is a playoff team. The Broncos just beat a playoff team. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, we'll discuss who we're going to pick in the Steelers game next week at the end of the show. Indeed, we are. Game results. But let's keep moving here. Um, Supposedly number two now. Is that what we're up to? I think we're on, uh, yeah, two. Balanced passing attack. Everything was about, every, it was so interesting to watch this game because it gave me a completely different vibe than the last few years. And everything just seemed so haphazard. Yeah. You know, when we won, it was, it was, it was great. And, and when we lost, it was like, ah, oh, well, <laughs> You know, we probably should have lost. But, like, but even when we won, we always walked away, or at least I did, walked away from that stadium or, or you know, just the, being like, ah, <laughs> we kind of snuck one out there. But this game, everything just, you never felt overwhelmed by one aspect of any part of the game. And that passing attack felt right in line with that. Uh, Demarius Thomas, right, five catches, 110 yards, uh, one of those was the big one, the 88-yard and uh, and a touchdown, of course. Um, I think Demarius is a true game-breaker. Why do you keep going 88, 71? Uh, I have 88 written down. <laughs> That's what number he is. He is number 88. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 71-yarder mm-hmm. for the T. Yeah. Anyway, sorry about that. Keep going. He's you targeted. sure it wasn't 88? Yeah, 100%. I'm looking at it right here. Oh, okay. Seven, you sure targeted. that wasn't the Pittsburgh one? Yes. Last year? 100% sure. Like in the playoffs? That was the longer one. That was 80. Oh, it was? Yeah. So maybe I have the last. there was a touchback, and then they had it to 20 and went 80. Okay. This one not. But yeah, Demarius, five catches. So like I said, 71 yards. 71 yards, like you said. <laughs> five catches, targeted seven times. Pretty good. Yeah. Perfect. It's perfect. Eric Decker, five catches. Targeted, targeted seven. seven. Time. Yeah. For 54 yards, right? I mean, see the See that? Seven attempts, seven attempts, two five two, catches, right? Yeah, tier one and two wide receivers. Uh, Jacob Tammy, five catches. Five targets. Right? 100%. I mean, the, and I was, I was watching this unfold, and I kept seeing, like, man, it seems like every, he's, Peyton Manning is throwing to every receiver we Did have. you see that, like, that wheel route that uh, Tammy ran where, you know, he kind of s- starts out from his tight end position or in the slot wherever he was? Cuts towards the sideline, then cuts up, and Peyton just threw that perfect pass. Right, I mean, it couldn't have couldn't have thrown it any better. Just right over the defender, right into his hands. I was just like, wow. 
Yes. That's what it's all about, the quarterback spot, man. It, it was awesome. It, it's it's it was perfect. And and then uh, you know, I want to add Stokely in there getting a couple catches, right? Yeah. I wrote down uh I think he got his first catch like with 12 minutes left in the first quarter. And I and I wrote um, Stokely told you so. <laughs> <laughs> he still gets it done, dude. I, mean, I think just... he had two or three catches, you know, but but like and he was uh I think the fourth you know, behind these three guys, he's the fourth, uh, you know, leading receiver for the for the Broncos. Yeah, I didn't write down the stats for him, but twenty six yards had a seventeen yard catch, targeted three times, two catches. It's perfect for it's, your slot guy. It's perfect, and that's again, that's all part of it, right? There's nobody you're relying on, and there's nobody that can go down that will ruin the season except for yeah, the number big, one takeaway, the big guy. Peyton Manning. He is the only player that is indispensable. Yeah. And but that's not unusual. And that still is in line with any successful NFL team. Yeah. I think is Yeah, if your quarterback, quarterback goes down, driven. you're screwed. I mean, you yeah. can say that for I think every team in the league besides, you know, Arizona, <laughs> well, whatever. It's like Well, you there's teams Cleveland. that stink before, yeah. you know, but then like all the good team, you know, Tom Brady goes down, the Patriots are struggling, right? They're not going to win the Super Bowl. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, even back when they had Matt Castle. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Castle. You're not going to do it. Yeah. But uh, Peyton Manning, 129.2 passer rating, fourth in the league this weekend. Uh, I did mention earlier, RG3, number one with 139.9. Good for him. Yeah. We'll see. He'll have some bad days. Beginner's luck, I'm going to go with. Could be. Um, uh, uh, Peyton Manning was 19 for 26. Uh I have 211 yards. What does that mean? I don't know. I think he passed for 250 or something. 253. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, two touchdowns. Um, but the, here's the most important. Those are all, I think, going to be on the low end of Peyton's average, those stats right there. I think he's going to um, throw for way more than 26 passes in future games just for the fact that the Broncos basically were on defense for Ugh, half the game. Yeah. Uh, so I think he's going to get more than nine, be 19 for 26. I think he's going to pass for way more than 250-some yards. But he was sacked four times in this game. And he had... I got two sacks for 13 yards. Two sacks? Yes. Really? Why am I getting this garbage? I don't know. I'm looking at ESPN. Could have been knocked down four <laughs> These times. are my notes while I was at the game. <laughs> the, th- the reason why it's important to take notes, Tim, is because you pay attention better. Yeah. But regardless, he was sacked. He was hit. He definitely was uh, hit more times than he was sacked, but he was hit a lot. Zero interceptions, and he has zero paralyzations. <laughs> yeah, that's key. Those are the key things. He didn't look frazzled at all most times he got hit. They had a funny stat that said, like, on, I, mean, I don't know how you even determine this. One of his passes, they're like, well, back in his prime, he threw that pass at 50 miles an hour. Tonight, it was 47.8 miles an hour or something like that, you know? And it's like, well, you don't really know if he stepped into it or how hard he's trying to throw it or whatever. I mean, it was such a goofy stat, but they're trying to show you that, yeah, he slowed down a hair, but he's still getting it done, you know? He's kind of one of those, he's forgotten more than you'll ever know type of things or whatever. But he threw so many passes that were just... I don't know, just so nice, you know, like he's not that big cannon long ball thrower. He never has been. He's just going to dissect your defense and take what you give him. But he's also able to fit things in. You know, they had one where he threw to a Tammy on like a little, a little post route or something where 
he threw it before. They're like, yeah, he threw it before he was even out of the break. And you could even see it. It looked like it was a rush pass because of the blitz. Still completes it, takes some off of it. I mean, he's just – he's a master at quarterback. And like I said before we started recording, I was a huge Broncos fan growing up. Loved the Broncos, fully invested. It would ruin my week as a kid when they lost. I hated it. Would be upset all day Sunday. Loved John Elway. When they won those Super Bowls, I felt like, you know, that my ride with the team had kind of almost come to an end. You know, I was like, I saw Elway go to the mountaintop. I've experienced all I can experience as a fan. I've enjoyed the last, you know, the years since then. I've watched the team, but it's been different. And then Sunday, when you see, you know, number 18 out of Tennessee, he comes trotting out on the field, and you see him back there playing, and he has a passion for the game that's just you know, intoxicating, and you're just like, wow. Like, I love watching this guy. I was fully invested in the team after the opening kickoff. I'm telling you. You know. That's what I was talking about earlier. I had a little arousal going on. Yeah. Just uh, <laughs> Some man love, some man uh, crush is going on. Just uh, it's hard to walk out of that stadium. Yeah. I, I, wish I, I wish I had a notebook like I had in seventh grade. Just lucky you weren't wearing slacks. <laughs> or sweatpants. <laughs> no, it... It was it was it was crazy. It was surreal. I, I I couldn't I couldn't believe it. I couldn't I couldn't believe it. I felt so lucky. And like you said too, dude. I mean, this is literally, if not the biggest free agent signing in NFL history. It's right up there. One of the biggest free agent signings in all sports. Yeah, all sports, no matter what. And it's to have a. I mean, to get a guy that's you know first ballot Hall of Fame that hasn't played for over a year, and he comes out in his first game and. Looks flawless. And it was against a formidable foe. This yes. was not a gimme game. This was not some garbage This wasn't team. the Miami Dolphins. This wasn't Sacramento State or whoever the Buffs lost to. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It <laughs> wasn't was... a, you know, it's a, it's a Super Bowl contending team. It's a team that, yeah, crazy defense, whatever. Man, it just has me wanting to see more. Like, wow. I'm, I'm dying for this game Monday night. Oh. You want to do a little preview? Uh, yeah, let's do it, man. So... Right now or after the break, you want to mix in with our uh, picks? Oh, the picks are going to come later. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So we have, we have the freaking Falcons Monday night. They go straight into Kansas City and demolish the Chiefs. Final score there being 40-24. to 24. Kansas City is a team that I, I believe Peter King of Sports Illustrated selected to win the AFC West. They're playing at home against a Falcons team that is trying to gain a new identity, and the Falcons crushed them. They didn't beat them as bad as the Broncos beat the Steelers. True story. Same. That's a true story. Oh, wait, yeah, they did. But the Falcons look they good, though. More. Did you get to see that game at all? Or was uh, that, I mean, it was early. You were probably tailgating. Probably no, I did not watch, watch a minute of this game. The whole thing with the Falcons, they've been trying to turn their offense from the run-heavy Michael Turner into a pass-heavy team because they have you know Roddy White, Julio Jones, and Tony Gonzalez still, age 63. But the Falcons are, I mean, they, they threw 31 passes. They ran the ball as a team uh, 20 times, excluding Matt Ryan's rushing attempts. By the way, Peyton Manning's running for that first down. Awesome. Yeah, I didn't include Peyton Manning's uh, uh, rushing stats earlier when I was talking about that. Yeah. But we did have 90... Four yards rushing, including right. Peyton Manning. Yeah. The other three guys. sack yardage and added yeah, yeah. the scramble, yeah. which was sweet. He gets an automatic, you know, 
he definitely, his rushing game contributed more to the victory than the three meager yards on his stat line. <laughs> Very true. Very true. <laughs> but uh, Peyton Manning knows how, to, knows how to run when he needs to. Yeah. And again, he was, he was sacked four times as far as I remember. So. <laughs> I feel like this game coming up, though, I feel like this is, you know, the, this was a test of the Broncos against the Steelers for many reasons. And I feel like, now, I mean, that was a test kind of, I mean, the Steelers were built up from last year, this and that. They're still a good team. We don't really know who's who because everybody's zero and zero. We know the Falcons came out and beat a team that some people were predicting to win the AFC West. Falcons went to the playoffs last year. They looked fantastic in week one, put up 40 points. This is already you know, one of the biggest games of the week next week. Some people could even say maybe it's a Super Bowl matchup preview, you know, if you want to get crazy with it. No, it could be. Yeah. It could be. But, I mean, it's, it's Atlanta's defense looked pretty good. They shut down the Chiefs who, I mean, Matt Castle's not Peyton Manning. No. They lose their cornerback. But they're, they're at home. Uh, Kansas City. First game of the year. That's hard place to play in. Yeah. I did. You know what? Now that I recall this, I think I did see a glimpse of this. And I remember seeing they, they showed a wide shot of Arrowhead Stadium. And I thought, man, it's ugly because it's, it's all red. Yeah. But that stadium is still ten times cooler than Invesco. But it's not as cool as Sports Authority. Or er, sport, yeah. <laughs> I don't like this stadium that we have here. I heard it was I mean, rocking, it, though. Everybody that was in the game was saying it was. it was as loud as it's been you know, since the Mile High days. It, it was, but it, it was. I mean, it just was. It was. It's never deafening there for some reason. It's just not. Really? It's not just like. Ears over like you your leave. bone like well gosh my throat is still hoarse from it and but it's just not like I, I remember just being like you're worried the stadium's gonna fall over at the old place yeah you know what I mean and I think that might be because the stadium itself is making noise right. because they did say you know when they made this in Vesco that it was gonna be metal but it's different like it's just not like like it was like a, almost like a drum like the whole thing was a metal drum that just reverberated but yeah but um anyway but i'm looking forward to this game and i want to see it's going to be kind of like that pittsburgh game where atlanta is going to be pass heavy and we're going to get to see the broncos try to defend against two dynamic wide receivers julio jones probably you know you could list him among the top five most exciting wide receivers in the game right now Mm -hmm. you know so it's going to be cool to see how denver defends against these guys and if the Broncos can put up another big win, which I believe we both predicted them to win this game, I mean, is that going to go towards telling us who this Broncos team is? We don't really know. Without until five, question. Games in, um, and again, I think that the evidence behind, you know, uh, I picked them to win this game last week, you know, Steelers, and I picked them to beat the Falcons. I think we both might have. Yeah. And the reason being now is, is different than the reason I picked last week. Last week it was just because – my excitement and my, you know, and looking at this team without really watching any play, right? And not knowing it was who just, the opposition it was just really like, is. Well, yeah, and then even looking at the Falcons, like, all right, look at the quarterback first. All right, Matt Ryan, good, solid quarterback. You know, not not a great quarterback. Not a um, game changer. Right. Not a guy that you can tell has the it factor from the get. Right. He's uh, choked well, he in had a great games. game, but – and then I look at what the Broncos did, and again I go back to that it, 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 they're so balanced and just perfect. There's nothing that you could point at to say either they didn't do it well enough, or 
they did this too good. And, and by too good, I mean they're relying on some aspect of the game that isn't sustainable, but that didn't happen. It was, uh, it was, just, it was just everything was exactly where you want it to be. Yeah. Uh, you, the defense made big plays when they needed it. The uh, offense was perfectly balanced. I, I feel like I'm going to be using that word a lot throughout the season. And it's, it's, it's something that every NF, good NFL team or any, every NFL team with championship aspirations needs to achieve, and that is the balance. And, and, it, and honestly, it can get kind of boring. <laughs> you know, yeah. for non-Bronco fans who watch the Broncos play, you know, right? And that, I, we might be able to, we might see that going forward. It's just consistent, uh, dominant play. Uh, and at the end of the game, they might not win by 12 or 13, whatever they won by, but they might win by four or five, or, or on some occasions they might blow them out. But it's not, you don't need to blow them out, and we can win the close games. And this, this was pretty close until that Tracy Porter interception. And uh, going down to Atlanta, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't expect more of the same. Yeah, and people that want to maybe proclaim that the Falcons are starting to you know, build something new or whatever, you look at Matt Ryan, he had 31 pass attempts, 299 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. You look at Peyton, you know, 19 completions, 253 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. It's like Matt Ryan's, this was really like kind of his breakout game or kind of a breakout type performance. It's another day in the park for Peyton Manning. He's been putting up those numbers for 14 years. Yeah, and everybody said after Peyton Manning's performance on Sunday night, he's back, clearly. Everybody was worried about his uh, absence from the game for a year and his jitters and all this stuff. Basically, uh, his first quarter wasn't great. He did look a little jittery, right? People are looking at his performance and saying he didn't have jitters. He's just back to normal, but I think he did. I think yeah. he was a little unsure of himself, but, you know, at least like at the I beginning. said, he had some rust where he had some audibles, misfires, you yes. know, and that's, I think that's good. I think that's going to give him the fire that he needs to, as a competitor, keep driving. And that was a game where he had the first quarter that was a little rusty. And then the second quarter quarter was good. I don't think he really played in the third quarter. Right. <laughs> yeah, they had that, like the Demarius Thomas play, and that was about it. Yeah, and so like you're looking at a guy who really only played half a game. Yeah, and he still did, you know, what he did. So I, you know, everybody's looking at that game and saying, "Oh, all the all the critics were wrong. Uh, he's back, and he's as good as he ever was." And I'm saying the critics were right, but they were just wrong about how the severity of his rustiness. He was rusty, but he just wasn't like people thought he was either going to be the regular Peyton Manning that we yeah, know, or he was going to be a total flop. Like he was just going to be horrible. And he was in between there, but his in between is still very good. Yeah. So, it's, it's comparable to Matt Ryan's best. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think, oh, I'm excited. I think it's going to be, uh, yeah. I think it's going to be, I think it could be a shootout kind of like I thought before. I think that the Broncos are going to be heavily tested in the passing game once again, because Atlanta you know, unlike the Broncos, is looking to be an unbalanced team. They're they're trying to go into it with a unbalanced, a New England Patriot type offense. I mean, they're choosing to ignore the running game, which, you know, they might not do because I don't know if that's the best idea against the Broncos to let Von Miller and Doomerville and Derek Wolf know that hey, come get the quarterback. It's probably not your best game plan, especially when you have Champ Bailey and Tracy Porter who are gonna you know take some risk and hopefully get you some picks, whatever. It's going to be a hell of a game, though. I'm looking forward to it. Yes. But it's freaking Monday night, man. Couldn't they give us a Sunday early game? Come on. I got to wait till Monday? That's true. But there's no, uh, better, there's no better way to bring Peyton Manning back to Monday Night Football 
Then in his second week back here with the Broncos, it's too much. Clearly, they know. Peyton Manning, Broncos. Broncos are always, you know, a big primetime event. Uh, they always have been. Last couple of years, maybe not as much, but uh, Peyton Manning and the Broncos, Sunday night football, then Monday night football. Fantastic. Man, Dude. Take a short one, come back, get to our gambling results, yeah, wrap it. Yeah, let's do this up. Man. Let's do it up, man. Gamblers. I have to be honest. I, I have no idea how I did. I uh, That's good, Ross, because I have picks. your results over here, sir, and I didn't manipulate them. I think I did pretty good. I, I mean, I feel as I was watching, I, I, know, I saw a couple that I missed, but I think I did pretty good. A couple misfires that we, that we had. You had the, uh, the Chiefs over the Falcons. I had the Falcons over the Chiefs. How did I pick that? How did I pick the Chiefs? I don't know. We both took the Saints to beat the Redskins at home. We were both wrong on that one. Uh, I had the Bills beating what I thought was going to be a lackluster Jets team. You had the Jets in that one. The that was big, the road team, right? The Jets were the road team. Huh? Indeed. And then the, uh, the kind of the big game last week, the 49ers and the Packers. You had the 49ers. I took the Packers. That was kind of a surprise game to son, to some, to son, to a son. <laughs> uh, what else did we have that was notable? We both picked the Raiders over the Chargers for some reason. Yeah, I know why I picked that. Dirt infield? No, I just I, – <laughs> I, I, I think I wanted uh, the Raiders to beat the Chargers because – you know, Chargers I, I was might pretty be a sure little we competition. Were, yeah, yeah. In the AFC West, but I, that doesn't explain why I picked the Chiefs. I, I feel like maybe you misheard me on that one. That could have. I'll re-listen to the last week's episode. Yeah, you might need to on that. But yeah, I, for some reason, San Diego and Oakland. It's like, what's up with freaking San Diego just being able to eke out wins? And Oakland's just the same team. They're a mess as usual. Yeah. Uh, do we do we get a text message about uh, that? Oh, rain, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for reminding me. Indeed, sir. I'm on top uh, of it over here. This was uh, from uh, Debbie in Denver. She says, what did you think of Eddie Royal's performance last night against the Raiders? What do you think of the Gargers? I think she meant Chargers. Probably Gargers. They're garbage. <laughs> picking up Royal. Picking up Roll after the Broncos released him. Debbie, excellent question. I believe Eddie left as a free agent. And I believe Eddie is probably kicking himself. Uh, I don't know that Eddie ever had the choice to stay, for one. Very good point. Um, he was a free agent. Who knows if the Broncos even wanted him back. Eddie Royal, to me, was never a really great wide receiver. I never was buying into it. I'm still confused why he got all those endorsement deals here. I think it was just because his name was Royal. I have a friend that was a big Virginia Tech fan, and she let me know that Eddie Royal was like a pretty good college player and that we'd really enjoy his uh, punt returning ability, which right. we did. He was right. a good punt returner. Um, Speaking after, of that, he had a – Debbie, to answer your question about his, his performance, 45-yard return negated by a penalty, <laughs> and he had two receptions for four yards and, and two rushes for 12 yards. 
So, so after his rookie, think, I don't think much of his performance. Yeah, after his rookie season in Denver, in which he looked like he could have been a breakout player, he reverted back to probably below mediocrity, which is what we saw Monday night in his performance. He didn't do anything, and I still think that he's ups- He should be upset with the fact that he chose to go play with Phyllis Rivers instead of staying here and catching passes from Peyton Frickin' Manning. Yeah, but yeah, I, I'm with you. But I, if I were Eddie Royal, yes. I would want to play for the Broncos too, but again, not everybody gets to pick. Yeah, and I, I didn't, I wasn't upset when he left. I, I, I didn't love him when he was here. It's um, kind of funny the Broncos are using uh, ex Jet coming off a big knee injury, Justin Leonard, to return punts. Uh, he looks like maybe one of the slowest white guys in the NFL. <laughs> not sure what he's doing back there. We'll give him a little bit of a chance, uh, and then you have you know the aging or perhaps the ageless Brandon Stokely filling in that slot position. And, you know, Brandon Stokely defined that position for years in Baltimore and then with the Indianapolis Colts. And I don't think the Broncos could be in better hands with a third wide receiver than a veteran like Stokely. I agree. Uh, Ed Royal was a guy that was known for dropping passes and, you know, being a a bit of a disappointment. And I think from the Broncos' perspective, they're fine. Well, here's the deal. Here's what Eddie Royal had going for him. One, it was his first name. Right, people like wide receivers named Eddie. Eddie, it's easy to chant. We and he had that. a last name, Royal. That's a great last name. Yep. Right. He had a good smile. You know, good looking. Pretty guy. cool number nineteen. Yeah, I you like know, that. he was a cool guy, but he he wasn't ever a great wide receiver. I I, I kind of uh, I don't ever under I never understood the uh, uh, hatred towards Eddie Royal when he signed with the Chargers. I know he said some things in you know a press conference out there or in an interview about how he was happy to be with the Chargers as opposed to the Broncos. But what are you going to do? You, you, go, to, to you go to a, a division rival. You want to endear yourself to the local fans. I'm sure he's they got the Royal Special with Cheese out there in San Diego with the local Taco Bells or whatever they yeah. have now. I mean, hopefully they do for his sake. But, I mean, you know, he's – I, I never, I never had never... sour grapes towards him, and yeah. I don't miss him, and I don't think he's going to do much with San Diego, but good luck to him. And he was never going to be more than what he is now, which is a slot receiver. He wasn't going to climb ahead of Decker or Demarius. Right. And he was maybe going to return some punts, but you can find those guys dime a dozen. Good luck to you, Eddie Royal. We're out on that. Yep. Agreed. Uh, so our, our gambling wages, we go through, we look at the weeks. We both had some good picks, missed a couple picks. But, Ross, we wind up 9-6, and six, each of us. We tied. We tied? We tied, sir. Man, nine and six. That's not bad. I'll take nine and six in week one. That's a pretty unknown week. We did all right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. Then I'm happy too. We go to Vegas. Roll over. Skins game it. Skins game it. Which you had to explain to me. Colorado (laughs) skins game. Colorado sports guys skins. Yeah, that's what we should call this segment. The skins game. Skins game. Uh, Nine and uh, what else? What other ones? Some ones that were interesting. I mean, I I had Jacksonville beating Houston or not Houston. Oh, we, beating Minnesota, right? We'll, we'll roll through these. We both had the Bears. We both had uh, – who did the Bears even play? God, they demolished whoever they played, whoever it was. Uh, we both had the Eagles beating the Browns, which we got pretty lucky on because the Eagles had to come back and win that game on a last-second touchdown pass, I believe. Uh, we both had the Patriots beating the Titans. Uh, I had the Falcons. You had the Chiefs. Uh, you had Jacksonville. I had the Vikings. And that game uh... – Garbage pretty bowl. close. Pretty close. <laughs> I could have had that one. It was close. It was very close. I believe the Vikings came back and won that one on the last second field goal or something. Uh, we both had the Saints. The Redskins won. I had the Bills. You had the Jets. The Jets won that one. 
Uh, we both had the Lions winning. We got pretty lucky there as they had a last-second win over the Rams. Um, you had the Dolphins. I had the Texans. Texans won that game. Great soundbite from Adrian Foster. Uh, Arian. Arian Foster asking the Miami player to turn around so he could see his name because he didn't know who the heck he was. Oh, that guy's so cool to yeah. say that. It was great. It was a great soundbite. Uh, I had you just to, put him in his place, didn't you? <laughs> I had the Packers at home. You douche. had the Niners. Uh, this must be from my bully mentality. <laughs> <laughs> we both picked He the, served him. He totally <laughs> served him. We both had the Seahawks to beat the Cardinals. The Cardinals using Kevin Cobb came back and won that game on a last-second play. Uh, you had the Buccaneers. I had the Panthers. Buccaneers pulled that one out. We both had the Broncos. We both had the Ravens over the Bengals. And we both took the Raiders, and they lost to the Chadges. Ah, oh, all right. So, And we both had the Cowboys beating the Giants, but that doesn't count. Right. Actually, <laughs> I technically had the Giants. Yeah, I would have picked the Giants too. Oh, okay. So, all right, good deal. Uh, tied up. Carry over. Next week we'll do it again, but we're going to pick. Uh, we ran out of time here. We're too far into this. So look for a little mini episode. And we're also going to wait until later in the week. Uh, look for this Friday morning. Uh, we'll do uh, our picks. For all you gambling freaks out there. Our picks. I think it's safe to say I think the Broncos are going to win. So I'll go ahead and tease that. Yeah. Right? So, so what we what Am you, I right? <laughs> you are. This is <laughs> podcast 58. Am I mistaken? Is it 59? Uh, 58 sounds right. Yeah, it's 58. 58. I mean, you got to dedicate this to number 58, right? Black room glasses, baby. Von Miller. Von Miller, dude. Love it. Von Miller is going to be getting after Matt Ryan. <sighs> Sweet. That's going to be next Monday, and we're going to see all you guys next week. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.